Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. Now this is the hardest time to preach. It really is. It's hard before the service if you're smelling the food. But it's really hard after everybody's eaten. And, uh, you know, honestly, you're missing your afternoon nap. And I mean, that's what Baptists are supposed to do, right? Rest. And uh, so I, I will do my best to uh, keep your attention. And um, I will do my best not to speak long. Yes, not having a clock in the back is difficult. But I have a watch. Hopefully, and the problem is I have a watch. It's one of these Fitbit type things, the cheap generic ones, you know. And uh, sometimes when I flick my wrist, it comes on. Sometimes it doesn't. And so I go to look at the time, and so I'm not a distraction. If it doesn't come on, I just have to keep going. And uh, so that, <laughs> that can be a really bad thing. All right, Luke chapter number 10. And I'm going to ask you if you're phys- physically able, if you'd stand with me. So read out of respect for the reading of the Word of God, Luke chapter 10, and we'll read verse number 38 and down following. Verse number 38, the Bible will write, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. This afternoon, in the few minutes we have, I'd like to preach you a message I've entitled, What to Do When You're in a Martha Moment. Let's pray. My Jesus, I need you this afternoon. I need your power. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you take over and take control and convict and convince of Jesus. I recognize my complete inability to adequately give this scripture and apply it. So Lord, I pray that you'd empty me of self, fill me with you, cross of Jesus. My Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, you would help these, my friends, not to remember me, but the God that I serve. I pray that you'd be with us as we go into a week of camp, and I pray that this will be exactly what we need to kickstart our week. And Lord, I pray that you would give power from on high. We ask this in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When you come to Luke chapter number 10, Jesus is visiting his friends. He's coming back to the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, the same Lazarus that would later suffer persecution because Jesus had raised him from the dead and and others would seek to uh, destroy the name of Jesus and his works, so they would seek to kill Lazarus. We find that in other passages. But in this particular passage, we find more mention of Martha and Mary. I know we've heard the story before, but it's interesting when you read a living book, it's interesting that every time you read it, it becomes alive again. It's interesting what you could have read for hundreds of times. You come back and you read it again and you go, whoa, I haven't seen that before. Where did that come from? Well, that's because it's a living book. 
And that's because Jesus gave it for us today. Uh, By the way, Old and New Testament. And when you go to verse number 38, you will find Jesus. He's coming into their house. But Martha, the sister who we ridicule oftentimes, or at least criticize from this passage, Martha's the one that goes out and finds Jesus and brings him into her house. She's the one who will go and welcome Jesus. It will say, receive him into her house. But the idea of receive is not sure, Jesus, you can come in. Instead, it's the idea of, Lord, please come. We'd like to have you at our house. Lord, please come. We'll take care of you. We'll house you. We'll feed you. Martha is doing what so many churches say they're doing today. They invite Jesus into their church. They want Jesus to come in, and we do it in our lives too. Lord, we need your help today. Lord, please meet with us. Lord, please answer our prayer today. And we want Jesus in, and that is a good thing, and it is a necessary thing. But when you come to the rest of the passage, we begin to see that Martha has a problem. She does invite the Lord in, yes, but she misses out on spending time with her Lord and getting something from her Lord. It's interesting in verse number thir- uh, excuse me verse number 40 the bible will say this but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said lord dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone bid her therefore that she help me and then notice what Jesus will say in verse number 41 Martha Martha thou art careful and troubled about many things it's interesting that Jesus does not condemn Martha, he does not rebuke her for what she is doing. He rebukes her for what she's not doing. You see, Martha is doing something good in this passage. She's invited Jesus in. She has welcomed him in. She is working on feeding Jesus. And by the way, I guess when you invite Jesus into your house, you'll have to understand that you also invite 12 other people into your house. I mean... Come on now, Martha's working hard. Uh, She didn't just go down the dominoes, okay? No, it doesn't work that way. Martha is, she's fixing the meal. She she is the one who is working. uh, Gentlemen, have you ever done this? Have you ever invited somebody over and forgotten to tell your wife? You see, it's hard for me to do that because I live in 32 feet on wheels, all right? It's really hard for me to do that. But when you invite somebody over and forget to tell your wife, you know, most of the time, our wives are, they're more than happy to entertain and, and be hospitable, but they wish they would have known a whole lot earlier. They could have gotten everything ready. And, and you know, sometimes we as men have the idea, it looks fine. And it is clean, but it's not clean enough for company. You get the idea. And Martha, she is careful, the Bible will say, but she's also troubled about many things. She's doing a good work, if we can put it that way, for Jesus. She wants Jesus in her house. She's taking care of Jesus, but she forgets what is most important when you come to the life of Jesus. Martha has has missed it. Mary has found it. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning of him. And I don't think by looking at Mary in this passage and other parallel passages to the life of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, Mary is not a loafer, all right? She's not lazy. She's not saying, 
hey, you know what? I don't want to help today. I don't want to serve today. That's not what she's doing. You know, it's interesting that Martha will come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need Mary. Mary, it seems, is used to being with Martha in the kitchen. All right, if we can put it like that. She's used to working. They're working together here, and then all of a sudden, Mary's gone, and she's doing something else. And Martha says, whoa, now I'm alone. I need some help here. And she gets frustrated, and she lets, excuse me, the cares of uh, the world, she lets the cares of her life, she lets things take her away from Jesus. We do the same thing, don't we? You know, we have the idea in the scriptures that we need to work hard for Jesus. Or maybe we should have the idea that we need to work hard for Jesus. Honestly, in our churches today, everyone will say they serve Jesus, but you really only have the percentages changed over the last few years. Honestly, now you have about 1% of the people in the church doing 100% of the work. And the other 99% of the church just warmed the pew. By the way, that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not about filling a pew. It's about serving. Serving Jesus because Romans 12, verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says it's reasonable that we give back to Him what He's already done for us. You see, we don't own ourselves. Jesus does. And when we are His children, then it's time that we take our hands off what He owns and just serve Him. And boy, we could harp there all day, couldn't we? It's time to serve Jesus. It's time to get up and do something. I was in a church recently, and the pastor said he had an intern in for the summer. And he said God had done something wonderful in the intern's heart, and he got up to preach at the last service before he was to go back to college. And the pastor said the intern got up and said, a lot of y'all need to get up off your seats, and you need to start serving God instead of sitting around like a bump on a log. What he said was good. And by the way, that church, I've been there, they really needed it. But the people got mad. You see, when people get mad, when somebody say, says, you need to serve Jesus, it just reveals that they're not. Right? I mean, it's, you're, man, whoa, whoa. Okay, you know. We've just taken a microscope and looked right inside of you, and honestly, we could take the microscope away because now everybody knows all about you. You got the idea. You know, uh, Martha, she's doing something good. She's serving Jesus, but she's missing out on what Jesus will say in a few moments later, what is the needful thing. Mary's found the needful thing. You see, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and I believe, if we were to extend the passage on, I'm not adding to the Bible, I'm just saying, if we were to look into the future tense of this passage, I believe we, will, we would see Mary back serving in the kitchen. Because you cannot adequately learn of Jesus the Bible way without serving. When you learn of Jesus, you must serve. You are compelled to do what He asks you to do. But many times we get so caught up with everything else, just like Martha, that we forget about Jesus. The Chinese Christian was asked when he returned to China after visiting churches in America, he was asked, what impressed you most about the churches in America? The Chinese Christian would say, the awful lot they can accomplish without the power of God. I think many times... 
in our churches all across America. Instead of coming to church to meet with God, we end up coming to church looking for God. In our lives, we start wondering, well, where's the God of the Bible? Where's the God that parted the Red Sea? Where's the God that would, would, would send down fire for the prophet? When I read my Bible, my Bible tells me that God has not changed. Nor will He ever. So what has changed between now and the Bible? Us. You see, the only thing limiting God from working today is us. The sin that stands between us and God. Or self that stands between us and God. Sure. The God of the Bible, He never said He would stop sending fire from heaven. He says, you seek Me, you'll find Me. He says, you have not, because you ask not. He also says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin, and the just shall live by faith. So what's the difference between the Bible and now? I don't think we're looking for God. We, like Martha, are busy for God, but oftentimes without God. Oh, don't get me wrong, God's working today. He's never stopped. But we pray for the power of God. And we pray for the mighty hand of God. But I think we're only seeing the fingerprints of God today. God wants to do so much more. I hear people all the time say, you know what? I just wish God would move like He moved during the Great Awakenings. Well, why won't He? We often pray for God to send revival in America. Excuse me probably would be better for us to stop praying for revival in America. Most of the time people go, oh. revival comes from two words. Alive, again. America doesn't need revival. They need revival. And by the way, you'll never see anything take great for God in America until God is welcomed back in His churches again. And you'll never see God work in His church until He works in our homes. And we'll never see God work in our homes until we allow Him to work in our lives. Personally. Mary saw God do something special for her. Martha missed it. All she was doing good, and God doesn't condemn her for what she's doing. He says, you missed it. Mary got it. But you're troubled about many things. Oh, I wonder what Martha could have gotten done with the power of God. If you're like me, I've seen the power of God. Because God offers it freely. I've preached with the power of God before, but friend, I've also preached without the power of God before. You talk about a scary thing. God wants to be found in His people. And He wants to work for His people. But it's up to us. 
When you come to this passage, you see that Martha, she's so troubled. You say, well, she's doing good. I mean, so you're saying stop serving so that we can sit at the feet of Jesus? No, I'm saying sit at the feet of Jesus and then start serving. There's a difference. You see, when you go to the book of Matthew, you will find that Matthew will say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me first. Then he says, you shall find rest unto your souls. That idea of rest for the Christian doesn't mean loafing. It doesn't mean relaxing. Like I told the guys this morning, we'll rest when we're dead. We'll fellowship in heaven. But a lot of times we focus on that rather than getting done for Jesus what needs to be done for Jesus. I'm not discounting the fellowship. That's good. And I'm not discounting sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. So you're not hangry, right? Yeah. But, you know, when you come to the Bible, it's time that we start resting in Jesus. When you go to the Old Testament, you will read about the God of the Sabbath. If the God of the Sabbath is the Old Testament, then what is it for the New Testament? But you can't throw out the Old Testament. Things did change in the New Testament, sure. But the God of the Sabbath is still the same. And get this, the God of the Sabbath, Old Testament Saturday, is actually the New Testament Sabbath every day for the New Testament Christian. If God is rest... Don't you think we should be resting in Him every day? Don't you think it's time to, oh, before I get this done, I need to spend some time with God. And by the way, if we have an awful lot more to get accomplished in the day, don't you think it's better for us to get up earlier and spend more time with God? You see, as things get busier, we need God more, not less. But our human minds say, I'll get to it before I go to bed. I'll get to it after camp. I know what it's like, brother. I know what it's like getting ready for camp. I do. And sometimes in life, we get busy and we forget about God. Oh, we remember Him on Sunday. We remember Him for our meals. But God wants to show up in our own lives every moment of every day. And here you will find that the Lord will deal with Martha and he will encourage her to take her hands off what honestly without Christ is worthless. You see, without Christ, it is all wood, hay, and stubble. It will burn. What is fleshly is not of God and you cannot accomplish heavenly tasks by carnal means. Ever. I need God's power. And he will encourage her to surrender her nothing. You know, when you come to this passage, honestly, what Martha is doing pales in comparison to what Martha has, excuse me, what Mary has chosen. And it's all a matter of choice. It's like sin. You don't fall into sin, you choose to sin. Falling has the idea of walking along and falling in a manhole. Oops. No, no. I choose to sin. I choose to serve God. I choose to follow God. When you come to this passage, Martha's doing good things. 
but not the most important thing. You come to Mary. Mary is seeking God. She's sitting at His feet. Oh, what, what Mary has chosen, Jesus will cry, needful in this passage. Oh, we must sit at the feet of Jesus. We must learn. And by the way, that does not mean re- reading the latest book. The books aren't going to help you, I'm here to say. They won't. The blogs are not going to help you. Just curious about what MacArthur and Pink say isn't going to help you. It'd be better to throw those in the garbage. You say, well, you can, uh, you can get some good out of it. Yes, but your mind will be so tainted, it'll be hard to read the Scripture clearly. This book has the answers. I'm getting weary, honestly, personally, of reading commentaries. I understand they are much smarter than I am. But number one, it's hard to understand them. (laughs) Have you ever talked to somebody like that? I have a brother like that. When we were kids, my brother would read encyclopedias for fun and retain everything he would read. Still to this day, it does not matter what I have a question on. I can call him and he will be able to answer intelligently. Recently, he was telling me about a book he was reading. For the first time in a long time, I was understanding what he was talking about. I was. I thought, Dad, it sounds like such a good book. I need to get that book. I was thinking it. I let him keep talking. I was understanding what he was saying. He finally finished. And I said, I should get that book and read it. He said, no, Glenn, don't. I said, why not? He said, you won't understand it. (laughs) For an older brother, you think, what happened to me? The middle brother got the brains, the youngest brother got the looks, and I got the leftovers, you know? <laughs> and, and you think, oh, no! You know. But honestly, all the knowledge in the world, all the knowledge in the world cannot replace our time and our walk with God. This book has the answers. This book is truth. Excuse me. Whether we like it or not, it's still truth. I haven't looked at the cars in the parking lot, so don't label me. I don't know what you have on your car. I have a baby bear on board sticker on one side and an NRA sticker on the other side. Okay? That's all that's on there. That's all that's going on there. But have you seen the bumper sticker that says, God said it? I believe it. That settles it. Excuse me. Whether I believe it or not, it settles it. God said it. It's done. It's up to me to obey it. And Mary here, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. She's learning what Jesus says so she can follow Jesus. Martha would have been so much better had she learned from Jesus before serving or while serving. Let's not get caught up in all the things, the busyness. By the way, if you're too busy to continue learning about Jesus and from Jesus, you're too busy. Have you met these people? 
I meet them almost in every church that say, oh, well, you just give us some time. When you get older, you'll understand that the Bible just doesn't have all the answers for today. Or how about this? Have you met the people in the churches that say, learned all that years ago? What a dead Christianity. What? I mean, if you learned all that years ago, then don't call your Bible a living book. I was in a church recently. And I I don't even remember what I was preaching. But somewhere, it was not in my notes, somewhere I said something about a Calvinist. And I said, for those Calvinists out there, this passage means... God does something once you are enlisted. I think I was preaching from 2 Timothy. Once you've enlisted in God's army, then God chooses you to be a good soldier. It's not choosing for salvation, it's choosing for service because you're already enlisted. And I said, for the Calvinist out there, this blows you out of the water. I had a man from the center, uh, the back, uh, center aisle uh, halfway back say, I disagree. Well, killed the spirit of the service, and the Holy Spirit was done. So we closed that out and saw several decisions. As he's walking out, he says this. He says, Brother, I don't even remember the name of the book. Uh, something about, if I were to bring you a book about a potter, something, would you read it? I was nice, which is unusual. I wanted to say, If I brought a Bible, would you read it? I didn't. But later I thought, it's sad when we have to go to the books and to the people and to things to dictate truth. The Bible is truth. Jesus is truth. I need to take my cares and surrender them. I need to take my life and begin to seek Him. And then, I need to separate completely and totally to Jesus. I hear people all the time use this phrase. And honestly, right now, it's driving me insane because I hear it over and over and over again. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Well, they are so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? I don't know what century they live in but I've never met somebody so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. I've met a lot of people who are so earthly minded they're no heavenly good. But I've never met a Christian who was so walking with Jesus they couldn't do any good for God on this earth. Actually, it's the opposite. When you're really walking with Jesus, you'll do a lot of good for God. Yeah. But Mary, she separates completely to Jesus. She separates herself to learn of Jesus. Sure, there is much to do. But the most important thing is Jesus. Excuse me, the most important person is Jesus. Sometimes we talk about it as a thing. You ever caught yourself doing that? What do you have? Salvation. No, I have a person named Jesus, and he is salvation. It's not a thing. He's a person. When you come to this passage, notice what it will say at verse number 41. Middle of the verse, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that 
good part? Mary made a choice to put Jesus first. It's time we make a choice to put Jesus first. First. Not sports. Not kids. Jesus. Not television. By the way, I get weary of that excuse. I'm going to miss my show. Have you heard of technology? Have you heard of YouTube? Go back and watch it later. It just reveals where our focus is. And you come to this passage. She chose. It's time to choose Jesus and Him first. By the way, if you put Jesus first, it will never conflict with family. It will never conflict with children when you put Jesus first. I hear people all the time say, if I put Jesus first, I'll never have any time for my kids. You put Jesus first, Jesus will take care of the rest. Now, I have met those who have taken church, uh, a lot like what you talked about this morning. Uh, They've taken their ministry, and they've turned it into a business. And sure, at that time, then you have problems with your family. But obviously, you put the business before Jesus. Put Jesus first. You come to the passage, she chose it, but then notice what it says in the very last part of verse number 42, which shall not be taken away from her. It's interesting. Jesus in this phrase is not speaking of him saying, Martha, back off. Leave her alone. I'm not going to let you interfere with her time with me. That's not what it's talking about. Remember what it just said? Mary had chosen that good part. It continues. Mary had chosen to not let it be taken away from her. In other words, Mary said, I choose Jesus, and I continue to choose Jesus, and I continue to put him first, and I continue not to let anything take me from Jesus. It's interesting. I think if we had that choice to make, not only would it be hard for us, but many of us would have trouble making that choice. I put Jesus first, I miss out on this. If I put Jesus first, then I tell you what, I will put Jesus first. Unless something else comes up. I've had so many people tell me that. I'm sure they've had pe- you've had people tell you that. I'll be there unless church people, members. I'm not talking about the lost. Member. I'll be there, preacher. Unless so-and-so comes in from out of town. Bring them with you. Leave them at home. I don't trust them. Then why are you having them in your house anyway? But she makes a choice. And she says, no, nothing and no one is going to take that away from her. What is keeping you from resting and walking with Jesus? What is taking your focus off Jesus? Honestly, All of us struggle because we're made of flesh. Because all of us have to make a choice, not one time, daily, moment by moment, choose to put Jesus first. Choose to put our eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you something. Martha did not go to Mary 
and say, Mary, you're supposed to be helping me. Martha already knew she couldn't convince Mary. She had to go to the person who Mary was listening to. I think Mary thought, or excuse me, I think Martha thought, I'll get it. I don't know, we don't see it for sure. But Jesus said, Martha, stop. Mary made a choice. I wonder how Martha walked back to the kitchen. Just wonder. Did she walk back ashamed? I wonder if Martha finally understood what Jesus was saying. I wonder if she just sat down right there beside Mary. We don't see it in Scripture. And so I'm not reading into Scripture. But Martha did have to make a choice. Mary had already made her choice. And the next day, Mary would have to make the same choice because she's flesh too. What choice will you make? Sure, life's busy. <laughs> I understand that. And Jesus does too. But Jesus still says, put him first. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, you can't seek him without being clean. And then he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. What choice will you make? Sure, we've got a busy week. Others have more busy than us. But no matter where you are in your life or what you are doing this week, you and I must choose to put him first. It doesn't make life easy. It makes it enjoyable. He promises joy when you abide. He promises answered prayer when you abide. But John 15 you have to choose to abide.